Ooh, David. Listen to him. Just kind of cussing out the wicked people around him. He's saying that what they listen for, what they choose to see, what they think, what they say, how they act is deceitful, arrogant, treacherous, mischievous, selfish, mean, vile, and what I like to call stank. Yes, stank. These are the folks who rebel against God, who foolishly focus on themselves rather than on the plan and the will of God, who is good, sovereign, steadfast, loving, and faithful. Context matters, and David is saying that in the context of all the brokenness, of all the evil around him, God is fierce in her love. Eugene Peters' translation says, God's love is exquisite, meteoric. God's loyalty is astronomic. God's purpose is titanic. Just verdicts of God are oceanic. Hmm. Yet in God's largesse and bounty, nothing gets lost. God's hesed, God's faithfulness, leaves out no woman, man, or child I'm gonna go to the created order and say no weasel, mouse, or chipmunk. Nothing in creation slips through the cracks of God's steadfast love. The life of the whole world depends on God's love. And David is saying in the end, when all is said and done, the ways of the wicked will perish. Their scheming, and manipulations are no matches for God's power, God's presence and providence. I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels to me like the wicked people are kicking our butt. Folks killed in their worship spaces. That rabbi who got kidnapped yesterday was the rabbi of the church in Pittsburgh that got shot up. Folks killed, folks kidnapped, Folks getting pushed off of subway platforms or beaten in the face for being at the wrong place at the wrong time. It feels like evil is using the boot, the knee, the knife, the erosion of human rights to smother God's people, to stab us in the back, to choke us on the chunkiness of hatred and violence and white supremacy. We all feel forced, don't we, sometimes? to swallow the vile tasting hatred and resentment that is whiteness. And you might be thinking, well, it wasn't white people that kidnapped the Jews last night. That's right. I think that's absolutely right. But I think our nation is built on a foundation of white supremacist, white nationalist violence. And I think the soil is rotten with with this kind of enmity and brokenness and that it infects all of us because it's not only in the soil, it's in the air that we breathe. And David is saying God's love is light, light that shines through the murky hot mess times in which David found himself in the times we find ourselves. God's presence is power that wickedness can't overcome. It's in the context of the wickedness that David makes this claim, not in the context of hunky-dory all is good. 
It's in the context of pain and suffering, suffering caused by, yes, a willful, broken, selfish people that the psalmist David sings this song of praise, this declaration of just how shocking God's love is, how satisfying, how safe-making, how healing, how way-making it is to take shelter under God's wings. The insistence that God and goodness will prevail over evil and enmity is a shout in the darkness. Shout in the wilderness, a song song at the top of the psalmist's lungs saying God is here, God is love, and God will not fail us. In the face of persistent opposition, in the face of a broken world persisting in breaking hearts, still David says, God's love is meteoric, oceanic, all-encompassing, wild, crazy town, shocking love that provides for the whole world, all us, all them, all y'all, that God will set things right in the world, that God will set a brave and safe table for her people in the presence of our enemies. That God will hem us in from behind and before creating a barrier or a boundary of love and goodness and mercy that will follow us all the days of our lives. This is a defiant, bold and brave declaration. Not because David is so holy, because he's not or so enlightened because he's not, or so prescient or wise because he's not. This is a profound and defiant profession of faith because God is good, (laughs) because God is faithful. Habakkuk says the righteous one will live by faith, not by the faith of the one, but by the faith of God. It's because God is love, God is good, God is present, that David has faith in the faith of God. God so loves the world that God comes into the world, stands by the world, watches over the world, provides for the world, takes care of the world, gives the world what it needs, not always what it wants but what it needs as light and sustenance. In the midst of trials and tribulations, in the space of the terrible and the horrible, God's faithfulness, the nature and character of God's fierce love, steadfast love is what fueled the Southern Freedom Movement. It flourished and it set its sights on creating heaven here on earth because of God, the ancestors of the ancestors of our ancestors who made a way out of no way in the bush harbors, in the quiet places, in the swamps, in the cabins, down in the cotton rows, my people. Living on love, God's shocking love. 
love. Love that enabled the children of God to stand up for love in the face of evil, in the face of oppression, to withstand snapping dogs and fire hoses and white police officers beating them in the head, to withstand rocks thrown at them, their little child bodies for simply integrating the schools to survive and withstand bottles of ketchup and salt and pepper smashed on protesting heads of college students. To withstand buses burned, bodies burned, lynchings and shootings and terror in the name of justice, in the name of love, because God's love pushed them out from their comfort zone into danger to keep on walking, keep on moving till they got to the promised land of freedom and justice. It's God's love that sent Fannie Lou Hamer out into the mission field, surviving beatings and going back, back to the work. It's God's love that sent my great uncle George who lived around the corner from Fannie Lou walking in the streets with her registering people to vote despite the threats on his life, despite warnings that he would lose his property. He kept on moving, kept on marching. An ordinary man, an ordinary man, working a couple of jobs to raise his family and take care of his kids. An ordinary guy fueled by God's love to claim his voice and his vote and to help other people to do the same. It was God's love fueling the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. when he spoke on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial on May 17th in 1957, two years, uh, three years after uh, Brown versus Board of Education, declaring that there was going to be all types, quotes, of conniving and methods used to prevent Negroes from becoming registered voters. And yes, when he did that speech, he was talking to the Ella Bakers and the Ralph Abernathy's, but he was always talk. He was also always talking to the Georges, or the Bens, or the Ednas, or the Jocelyns. When he demanded, "Give us the ballot," he was speaking to you and me and ordinary folks like us and our children, who, like he, would be fueled by, forced by, sent into the world by God's love to change the world with love. It was God's hesed, God's faithfulness, filling his heart with ferocious courage, God's love filling his soul with fierce love so he could light a fire of love in the hearts and minds of others so you and I could be the ones we're waiting for to change this world, not with hatred, but with love. You and I might not feel like we have these justice warrior skills like Martin or Bayard or John or Ella or Fannie Lou. But I'm here to tell you that just like George, we're called by love to see a wrong and work to right it. To remember that you and I are the only people standing exactly where we stand, seeing precisely what we see from our point of view, through the lens of our stories. And we have the power 
because we have each other, because the ancestors did it, we can too, to make our government listen and pass this John Lewis voting rights law so that we can be free and free others with our voice and our vote. I know you're tired because I'm tired too. But we have a fiercely loving guide in our God, empowering us, equipping us, loving us, sheltering us, inspiring us, encouraging us, picking us up when we fall down, dusting us off and sending us back out into the world to do the work of making justice. We must meet the hatred that would erode our rights with love. That means love in the form of looking at folks with whom we have enmity and seeing that they're thriving and surviving is connected to ours. That means love in the form of mission that can cut through the noise of toxic politics and legislate policies that serve all us, all them, all of us together. Love that demands that our electeds pass the freedom to vote John Lewis Act. Because we are the ones that need to write a new American story. I'm tired. You're tired, but guess what? God's not tired. I'm tired, you're tired, and God is the God who caused James Cleveland to write, God is the joy and the strength of my life. God moves all pain, liberty, and strife. God promises to keep me and never will leave me and will never ever fall short of God's word. God's not tired, and it's God who gave confidence to a young Martin King and stayed in his body and in his life as he aged to keep reminding him that though bombs would come, though stabbing would come, though threats would come, even though death came, God was Martin's fierce source of revolutionary courage such that he was able to preach on the night before he was killed. I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop and I don't mind. Like anybody, I would love to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And God's allowed me to go to the mountain and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight as a people, we will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man because mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. God, who's not tired, caused that confidence. God, who is not tired, God's indefatigable, I can't even say it, indefatigable love. God's unbelievable love, God's love caused Tommy Dorsey, who wrote in the time of Jim Crow during the depression as he lost his wife and his newborn baby, the words to precious Lord. He was tired, but God wasn't tired. And he said, precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, help me stand. I'm tired, I am weak, I am worn, 
Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Precious Lord, take my hand and lead me on. I had the chance recently to hear some words that Dorsey wrote sitting at the piano that don't show up in these lyrics. He wrote, precious Lord, I love your name. When I look back from whence I came, sometimes stumbling, sometimes falling, sometimes alone. Rend in the world a light so dear, Many are gone, but I'm still here. Take my hand, precious Lord, and lead me home. Friends, we are frightened. We are stumbling on the shards of a broken world, but we are here. We are falling down under the weight of COVID and a pandemic of white supremacy, but we are here. We are here and also drum mages for peace. We are here and we are not alone. God's unbelievable, indefatigable, shocking love fuels our lives, fuels our movement, fuels our resistance, our resilience, and our joy. God is love. God is not tired. God is here, ready to take our hands and lead us on to freedom together. May it be so.